What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Long Game Podcast hosted by Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short, bite-sized episodes. Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. All right. What's up and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Carl Oguamanam. Got nice. it. There we you go. Did. Got it. We were spending <laughs> a bunch of time before this. I was trying to nail it down. Um, but Carl's actually my mortgage lender broker, however you want to say it. And um, I'm really excited to have him on because I hear this thing all the time on social media. That's like business owners cannot get mortgages, right? Like I, I had a post a couple of months ago and somebody was like, Oh, I was a business owner for 10 years, could never get approved for a mortgage. Now I'm a W-2 employee. I make, you know, 30% of what I made. Now I can get approved for any mortgage I want. And so I thought it'd be great to bring Carl on because he is a mortgage broker who specializes in helping business owners. Um, but before we get going, Carl, how about you give a quick intro of who you are, what you do, and then we'll hop right into this convo. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. And um, I have to applaud you. You killed it on the name there. Um, (laughs) it's always interesting, uh, when someone's about to say my last name for the first time. So you did well. Thank you. Um, and yeah, thanks for inviting me on to, onto your podcast. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to sit here with you and have this conversation. And hopefully this conversation can be helpful to one or more people that, that might come across it. Um, so yeah, so as Thomas said, um, mortgage broker, um, I technically work for a bank, but um, we're kind of like a hybrid broker um, and mortgage lender. Um, but yeah, so I've been in this space for about 22 years now. Um, it's pretty much all I've done and thankfully I enjoy it. Um, and over the years, I've learned a lot um, and really learned how I can really help business owners because as Thomas says, you know, we do come across it a lot where people that have a business think that they can't, can't get a loan for one reason or another. Um, sometimes it's true. Um, and the few times that it is true, it just takes a little bit of education to kind of, you know, steer people and point them in the right direction so that they can purchase a home when they're, when they're ready to. So, yeah, I mean, for me, my story was, you know, this was middle of this year, brand new development was being built right in the downtown where I want to live. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to apply. I got connected to some people local to me and everybody denied me. And I was like, what? Like my take home pay or my income this year is going to be like 90% of the value of the house. Like this makes absolutely no sense why I can't be approved. And they're like, well, you don't really have two good years of business tax returns, right? The first year we were only open for a month and then we only have that second year. And I was like, but I have this other W-2 job as well. And they're like, well, you haven't been there for two years. I was like, well, that's not fair. What about a college graduate who just graduated? And they're like, well, it doesn't matter because you have the business. We have to look at two years W-2 and because you don't have that, you can't get approved. Sorry. And I was like devastated. I thought, man, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to get a loan on this. And so I reached out to the Sora guys and a lot of the advisors know, because I talk about them and they were like, Hey, you know, we know a great or a great, you know, mortgage person to send you to. And that's how we got connected. 
And within like two hours, I was fully approved by you because what was interesting about the way that you guys did things is you looked at it was actually getting paid to me, sent to my bank account, not just looked at what that tax return was, which obviously was awesome. So for advisors listening, Carl's a really great resource for um, you know anybody who's a business owner or if you're an advisor serving business owners for a lot of your clients. But before we really dive into that, Talk to us a little bit about why it's so hard in general for business owners to to get a mortgage. Yeah, so why it's so hard for business owners to get a mortgage. Generally, it's a combination of two things, right? Um, it's either one, having a tax guy that's way too good at their job. Um, <laughs> good point, yeah. yeah. Or it's unfortunately just talking to um, a mortgage broker that just doesn't quite understand that space. Um, that's where those are generally going to be the two things is either you just have tax returns that are just not showing anything and we can't squeeze any income out of it. Um, or just talking to a mortgage provider that doesn't quite know as much as they should in that space. Um, there are, there's a lot of mortgage programs out there and it's hard to know everything. Um, and a lot of mortgage guys, you know, sometimes they're good at what they do. And if it's not business owners, they kind of avoid it because it's complicated. It can take a lot like business owners is the most challenging, most time consuming, you know, loans that most mortgage people are going to work with. So um, I would say those are two of the main reasons is just too good at tax returns or tax tax repair um, and just not getting, you know, the right guy on the phone to help you out with your with your mortgage. Yeah. So this is the whole problem of like, hey, great. If you have a business and all, all you're doing on the side is wife's a real estate professional and you keep buying properties and keep doing cost seg studies and bonus depreciating it and you have zero you know, income on your tax return from that, it might be hard to get a house. So it might be something of like, hey, if you're thinking about buying a house in the next few years, you're forever home or whatever, you might want to think about like you don't only want to reduce taxes as low as possible because that might change reality of accomplishing the things in life that you really want, like having the home with your family. But I also think this is another side too, where correct me if I'm wrong, the S-Corps can be more advantageous, right? Because me as, in, as an S-Corp owner, I'm paying myself out a lot in salary. And a large part of what we're looking at for business owners is that salary component, right? So if I was just a regular partnership, that might that might impact me a little bit more. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Um, and I was gonna say, I mean, one of the biggest things when it comes to finances, as you know, I think is just is planning, right? So all of the planners that I work with, I always encourage them, anyone that's self-employed that's thinking about buying a house in the next six months to a year, we should be talking now so that we can make sure that they're gonna be able to purchase that home when they're ready. Cause a lot of self-employed people make good income and they know that they make good income and they just assume that they can get approved. And then they come to us, you know, 30 days before they want to buy a house. And we're like, whoa, you know, <laughs> we need to slow that train down a little bit and rework some things. So um, the biggest thing with business owners looking to buy a home, I would say is, you know, let's talk sooner rather than later. Let's just get together and get a game plan um, just so you know where you're at. And like you said, you know, you might have to decide one year to maybe pay a little bit more in taxes so that you can buy that dream home or make that move that you want to move to. Um, so planning, I think, would be a big, big thing when it comes to self-employed borrowers looking to buy a home. So let's talk about what some of that game plan looks like. So you say, hey, let's start to work together six to 12 months out. 
you know, what do you start to think about? Because I think this is important, right? Like I work with some clients who their tax return says they make $800,000 a year, but in reality, they're getting like, you know, $10,000 a month from their business because of <clears throat> expenses, things they're paying for, taxes, keeping money in the business. Like they're not truly getting paid that much. Like they don't feel that wealthy. It's just what the flow through from the business looks like to them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Thomas, we can talk about different tax returns and what type of income that actually looks like as far as income for approving. Because like you said, I mean, I've had clients that they do show a lot, but we actually can't give them credit for a lot um, of income. And then I also have clients who show like negative hundreds of thousands of dollars on their tax returns. But in actuality, it's depreciation and different things that we can add back. And then they end up making you know, more than enough income to qualify. Um, so that topic there, it's really, I mean, it's, it's a long conversation. Um, Cause even like when you put money back into the business, certain situations we have to like, we can't give you credit for that income, even though it might show as a, as a um, distribution. But then if you invest the money back into the business, they actually, you know, deduct that from you. So it's one of those things where every self-employed borrower and depending on the type of business makes it more complicated than others. Um, but every self-employed borrower, their tax return calculation is different from the next self-employed yeah. borrower's tax return. So it's um it's it's always a case by case basis. And there's there's so many examples I can give you that, you know, where the tax returns don't look good, but we can actually add stuff back. Like a good example is like, you know, a dentist, let's say, right? They have their practice for 15 years. So they got 15 years of tax returns. Now they're going to do a big remodel and it costs them, you know, a million dollars to remodel the place, buy new equipment. So obviously the tax returns now are going to show like, oh, you didn't make any money this year. But then if we can demonstrate that it was a one-time expense for something that's generally a one-time expense, like remodels, new equipment, stuff like that, we can actually like remove that loss from the tax return. And then all of a sudden you do have income that you can mm -hmm. use, you know, um, and everything we do with all of our self-employed borrowers and any borrower for that matter is we try to get the income to fit in that nice little box that, you know, all of the banks want, because that's where you get your more favorable rates, right? So we'll do a little bit more work to see what number can we move? What can we add? What can we subtract to get your income to where it's sufficient to approve you for, for the loan so that we can get you that best rate? Um, in scenarios where that's not an option or we can't quite get there, there are alternative programs that you can do. And the rate's just not that great. Um, but there are options to do it where you get you know um, a rate that's a little bit higher, but you are able to buy the home. Um, and some business owners, I mean, they're, they're fine with that. They're, they would rather pay, I guess, less taxes and pay more interest than, <laughs> um, than to pay more taxes and, you know, have a less interest rate and to each his own. Um, and my job in that case is just to like, you know, educate them on here are the options. If your taxes look like they looked in 2022 and they're going to look that way in 23, here's what you have. However, if you're able to tweak a few things, here's what you can do. And then the client can take a look at what that rate difference is and decide, you know, does it make sense to pay more taxes in 2023 so that you can get a better rate? Um, the answer is I yes sometimes. It, yeah, I mean, it really depends, right? If you have a few hundred thousand in the highest tax bracket, 
might be better to save a hundred thousand dollars in taxes and grab two percent higher on the mortgage or something than right. pay the taxes. Exactly. Exactly. So what are like maybe the the few most common things that you see that you're able to like help people with six to twelve months or maybe it's one to two years? Cause like in my mind, some of the things that I'm thinking about is like, well, hey, would it give me a better rate if I did my taxes in January of next year before I close on the loan? Because now I have another year of tax return. Income looks better and higher. Or, you know, what are some of the things that you guys think of? Yeah. So timing of filing is definitely one. And especially with scenarios similar to yours where the business is is newer. Um, scenarios like that, it does make sense at times to do your taxes earlier, just so we can kind of get you in that um, better rate range. Um, and then there's some people that they just have, you know, depreciation or carryover that they can either use less of or use none this year and then just push it forward. Conversations like that early in the process are always good to have. Um, and I would say majority of the time, it's generally newer businesses that we kind of have to be really mindful of of the taxes, right? Um, and a good example would be like startup cost, you know, stuff like that. Just making sure that we can document that really well so that we can add that income back to, yeah. you know. I could um, imagine even like, you know, a lot of business owners, which is not something I recommend is like end of the year saving taxes. Let me buy, you know, a G wagon or something. It's like, <laughs> well, Hey, if you want to buy a car next year, maybe you wait for the next year to do that and offset, you know, grab a $90,000 deduction or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing, like for me, is that conversation you just alluded to, they're having that with their financial planner like you. So when they come to me, I don't have to tell them not the to buy the G-Wag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, cool. What What else is there to add or should business owners know while like preparing to buy a house? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll always say is let's talk sooner rather than later, just so we can see where you're at, right? And generally how that conversation goes is, let me see your most recent tax return. And if you're gonna buy a house the next year, I'll ask you, you know, like, hey, do you have an idea what your tax return is gonna look like? Are they gonna be similar? Because if they're similar, then I can tell you where you're at. Or if you have something new, you're buying a new location where there's more expenses or whatever it might be, then we can have that conversation so we can plan accordingly. Um, and there's also like this, gray area of time um, where you can close using the previous year's tax return. So that would be like anywhere from like, you know, January 1st to like April um, 14th or before tax day, you can close in that space without looking at that new tax return. And if we know that for some reason, those tax returns for, um, for the most recent year aren't going to be the best for one reason or another, then again, it's good to have the conversation ahead of time. So I can say, Hey, let's make sure we close before April, you know? Um, so planning things like that um, are great. Try and think of um, um, something you mentioned earlier that I want to touch on real quick is like starting a business and only having one year of tax returns, you technically can qualify for a traditional loan. Um, and for that scenario to happen, it would have to be a similar work experience and then now going into your own business, right? Gotcha. And then in that scenario, you just have to have, um, you know, like a P&L, not necessarily an audited one, but a P&L that just kind of shows that you're on track to kind of make 
X amount of income that um, hmm. that would qualify for the loan. Now, it's different because there's some fields of of careers where you can do that, and others where you can't. Like, um, I generally say like lawyers, doctors, you know, stuff like that. It's easier to use that. Um, financial planning for one isn't as easy because you have to go and find exactly. Yeah. You have to go find your clients. Um, I've had like masseuses that were moving from, you know, one state to another state, a job like that, where you have to be face to face physically with someone like, that's, that's tough. a tough, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so, so yeah, so the different type of jobs that you're doing really are going to, um, indicate or, or tell you if you can start your job, work for self for one year and get a mortgage. It is doable. Um, doesn't happen as often, but it is doable. Two years is the standard just so they can get an average of what your income looks like. Um, but one year is doable in certain certain scenarios. Okay. Anything else you think that we need to add around you know this side of business owners for mortgages? Yeah, let me think. Um, Yeah, I mean, outside of me just stressing on the fact that the conversation sooner rather than later is so, so critical um, when you're looking to buy a home. Um, other than that, I would say that it's, um, I guess I would say it would be being comfortable knowing that A, it's difficult, right? And depending on what type of business you're doing, sometimes, you know, it is better, like you said, your interest rate's two percent higher, but you're paying a hundred grand less tax. That's probably a good deal. And I'm mm -hmm. guessing if that's the scenario, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you might be itemizing your taxes. So perhaps paying more interest isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, so I mean, I would say just you know really having a good team around you, a good team meaning having a you know a great financial planner like yourself, um, having someone like me that you trust that we can have that conversation early in the game just to set you up for success. Success. So that when it's time to buy that home, you're ready. Um, and in that situation, you could probably refinance on a year that you have a good exactly. tax return too. Exactly, exactly. And we have, I can't tell you how many clients that, you know, there's different reminders set up to check in halfway through the year to see how the business is going so that we can plan what we want to do next year, if anything, depending on, on how the rates go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's planning and the earlier you can do it, the better. Um, too often, I always encourage people, know what you can do before your emotions get into it. And what I mean by that is you go out, you see a house, you love it, and you haven't been pre-approved or you haven't had your tax returns looked at. Now you're going to try to move heaven and earth you know, to, yeah. to buy that house. And you might make a decision that you wouldn't ordinarily make, which is taking that higher interest rate when you could have just planned you know, yeah. six months, 12 months earlier so. Um, yeah, this that's my biggest piece of advice to everybody I work with is like, don't start to go look for houses until you've figured this out, right? Like I, I give this advice over and over to my clients and then all of a sudden they won't do that. They'll see this like piece of land they really love and they'll be like, oh my gosh, we found it. And we're like, well, first of all, we don't even know the top end of your budget. Second of all, we haven't even sat down with anybody to figure out what the build is going to cost. So we don't even know if this is doable. But now we have a time crunch of, hey, we think this land's going to be gone in a few weeks. Now we have to find the loan. We need to figure out what we can afford. We need to talk to a builder. And you know that becomes a real issue. So planning like a year, maybe even two years ahead of time of saying like, hey, we do, we know we want to buy a house. 
or we know we want to buy land and build a house. What does that look like? What can we afford? And then we can fine tune that over time. But I think people just all of a sudden are like, well, maybe we'll buy a house. They just start looking and they're like, found the right house. <laughs> and then they're scrambling and there's this yep. like anxiety moment. And then people end up buying too much house because exactly. they fell in love and they, you know, if I didn't know what I could afford car wise and I went and looked at Ferraris, I'd want to buy a Ferrari. Like, you know, that that's just how things work that a lot of times it's like set the expectations take this slow because people really rush into this. And this is the most expensive decision you're going to make in your life. If you buy a million dollar house at today's interest rate, I mean, you're going to be paying over $1.75 million over 30 years. It's not a decision that you think for four hours on and execute on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, cool. So since we hit on that pretty well, maybe let's talk through like the whole refinancing decision because we yeah. still have some time available. And I think this is one where people just say, Oh, my rate seven and a half percent. Now my I could get a six point seven five. I'm gonna refinance, but that's not really how you look at it. It's kind of the same way if people look at I bought a house for a hundred thousand, I sold for two hundred, like I made a hundred thousand. It's just like you're only looking at two numbers. You're not including every part of it. So maybe right. you know talk through uh, talk you know through the whole idea of refinancing and when it starts to make sense. Yeah. Um, so as far as refinancing goes. Um, I'm always kind of in the camp of it all depends on a couple things, right? A, how long have you had the loan, right? Um, and B, where are you going and what are you doing with with that refinance, right? Like I always hear if the rate isn't improved by 1% or more, I shouldn't refinance. Um, and that's probably a safe approach to take, but it's not a necessarily. Yeah, exactly. You know, like. Um, I've seen the higher your mortgage, right? Uh, the smaller rate improvement results in a larger monthly savings, Definitely. right? And yeah. it all depends on on what you're doing. I've had clients that, you know, I've refinanced them six times, you know, in a matter of seven years. And for them, it made it made sense, you know, for whatever for whatever reason. Um, so I mean, when it comes to refinancing, I always say, what's your long game, right? Like if you're going to sell the house and move in two years, it's probably not worth refinancing even to save 1% because you're going to have closing costs, right? So you got to do the math and see see if it makes sense, if, if it makes sense or not. Um, the larger your loan amount, I think you can recoup those savings a lot quicker. You know, if you're at a one and a half million dollar loan amount and your rate goes from seven to, you know, six and a quarter or six and a half, that's a pretty substantial monthly savings, you know, so it might cost you four grand to refinance, but you're going to recoup that in a matter of, you know, six to seven year, months. Yeah. yeah. And as long as you don't plan on selling in a year, it makes sense. Right. And yeah. then there's people where, you know, they've had a 7% rate for 15 years. Right. And they're halfway through the repayment schedule. And even if you get the rate down to five, it doesn't necessarily make sense because they've paid so much of the of the interest that where they're at in their payment schedule, sometimes it just makes sense to just stick with that rate because you're so far through. Um, so it's it's one of those things where every scenario is slightly different based on that particular individual's like life, where they're at, what they're doing, and what they want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and like people that are taking cash out, even today, we're 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 doing refinances for people that they've come to the realization that, hey, I can't buy a new house, but I've outgrown my house. So 
I'm just going to add on to it so that there's, you know, another room for little Billy and little Susie and they're at 8%, you know, and it's not the worst decision in the world. If you had other resources, it's probably not the best decision, but for some people like that's just the option that is best for them, you know? Yeah. It's a hard, um, it's a hard environment for that. Right. Cause you don't want to move to a higher mortgage. If you cash out refinance, you are moving to a higher mortgage and cash out refinances are higher rates than just a, a typical mortgage as well. Exactly. And so it's one of those things of like, well, do we wait two years, stop investing and saving elsewhere to be able to do it? You know, evaluate the options regardless you have to pay off that loan quick but going back to the the remortgage side of things like the variables you do have to look at one is where you are in the loan right that's something that you alluded to like if you're in the first year of a 30-year loan like refinancing because the interest is front loaded super impactful two is the closing cost right so that this is something that i'm thinking about for me is my timeline is like five to seven years i'm gonna live in the you know townhouse that we're building but so if i could refinance in four years you know, at 1% lower and that's going to save me 200 bucks a month, but it costs $4,000. Like that's not a better decision. And, and that's the biggest one I think people need to think about, right? Is what is the yearly savings and what is the cost to refinance that loan? How long do you think you're going to live there? And if they're pretty close to even, it's probably not worth doing because what ends up happening is people do feel like they outgrow things or move faster yeah. is what I've seen to be in my experience. But like, that is the big thing they have to compare. Cause like I've seen loans where it's $10,000 to refinance that. And they're going to save over five years, $5,000. It's like, yep. eh, you know, that's probably not the most worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. And I do that calculation for all my clients just so they can see the numbers because, you know, a 1% rate improvement sounds good, but when you put it into action, it might not be good for your scenario. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we run those with all our clients to make sure that they can, they see the value and they know kind of that timeline and like a rule of thumb that we generally kind of use is in regards to closing costs and recouping it is if you can recoup your cost in 24 to 36 months, it usually isn't a terrible idea for yeah. you to consider refinancing. Cause unless, most people just roll it into the mortgage anyways. Exactly. Exactly. And unless you plan on moving if you tell me that you're planning on moving in five years, you know, five years is easily three years and it's equally as easily seven years, you know? So if yeah. you're going to move in five years, then I'm like, let's really look at these numbers, make sure you can recoup your cost in the first, you know, 24 months, because then at the very least you should have one year at savings. And if it takes you five years to move, then you end up having five years of savings. So um, it's all a matter of just, you know, just looking at the numbers. I can't, I can't tell you how many times like I've had clients that just said, Hey, I want to, I want to do a 30 year fixed. Why? That's just all they know. I'm like, all right, well, I'll tell you what a 30 year fix looks like. And I'll show you what a 20 year looks like. I'll show you what a 15, we can talk through the numbers and, you know, let's see what makes the most sense for you versus just, you know, Hey, my dad told me to come get a 30 year <laughs> fixed mortgage from you, you know? So definitely. Yeah. The, that's always a hard one. I, I always talk about like, I'm a fan of 30 year fixed or like, I guess now, like for me, arm was not a likely scenario that it was never going to be a better option because of rates. Um, and how much I was putting down, I think arms can work in environment today. Yeah. I will say I'm working with some clients who did arms in 2020 or 2021 or 2022, and they're really regretting that decision. For sure. What that's going to look like in seven years is a double or triple monthly cost from what they were paying. Um, and the reason why I like 30 years is just the flexibility, right? Unless the the interest is so much less, which in my experience, I see like a quarter to half, you know, 
typically at the top that I would rather be able to have the flexibility to pay it off over 30 years because I've seen a lot of people who do a 15 year and then they ended up, they thought they were both going to work. And now one spouse wants to stay at home because, you know, they feel called to do that. And you're like, well, I don't know if we can make that decision. Now we have to refinance to a higher rate or any life thing that takes away the flexibility. I think I would rather pay the little bit of added cost to have the choice to pay it off quicker if I want to. Yeah, very well said. And I've unfortunately seen that way too often where, you know, husband and wife, they're on a 15 year fixed and life happens. And then all of a sudden they can't make that payment. Um, I've always said like, I don't know. Well, and this is where people always say, well, you could just refinance then. And today is the exact reason why that's not a good thing to say. Like it feels like it's good that you can always refinance until you're in the environment where you can't and refinancing puts you at 30 year loan at the same dollar amount pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those 15 year fixes, they're great for the right, for the right people. Yeah. Um, and I always remind people also, like you can do a 30 year fix and you can make the 15 year payment. Um, obviously the rates can be a little bit higher because it's a 30 year fix, but you can make that increased payment and Christmas comes along or work gets difficult and incomes down. You can always, you know, ratchet it back and pay that 30 year payment. Um, yeah. And sitting in my seat, I've seen, unfortunately, um, some, some scenarios that a 15 year fix just isn't necessarily the way to go if you're stretching your budget to make that happen. Cause and that's the big point, right? Like there are certain people who are like, I'm not buying based on what I can afford. I'm buying, you know, half of what we can afford because, yep. you know, we make a lot of money, you know, we don't have kids or whatever. We don't need a really big house in the 15 year, no matter what is such a small amount of our income that we feel good doing it. Like that's where I feel like the fit happens, yep. but it's hard to find that today because most people don't make enough money for that. Houses are too expensive for that. Interest rates are too high for that. Right. Where, you know, it's a little different than it was a few years ago. Yeah. And something that's interesting that you might not hear too often of, and I've been doing a lot more of it this year, is um, interest-only mortgages. Mm, I have some clients. Um, yeah. And it's generally your larger loan amounts, right? Um, like the most recent one I did was like, uh, I think the loan amount was like 2.1 or something. So it's a large mortgage in California. And I mean, it was like 40% down payment. And I can't remember the rate, but yeah, because you it, need a big down payment there, right? Because exactly. if you interest only and the market crashes, you're pretty negative on that loan. Exactly. And I think the minimum down payment is generally 30, maybe 25%. Okay. Um, but a large down payment. And I've worked with this gentleman for probably 15 years. Um, I worked with him when he moved to Minnesota, then they moved to Colorado, then they moved to to LA. Um, and every time it's always been some sort of seven-year arm, some sort of interest only. And he just kind of knows that, you know, life is more than likely going to move him in the next handful of years. And for him also, he has the resources that if stuff was to go sideways, he can write a check and fix it. Um, not something everybody has, but, um, in certain situations, those loans, you know, a little too risky for my blood. Um, but for the right people, I mean, those loans, they're not, you know, not a terrible way to go. Um, and, and it worked actually, out fine in the environment where houses grew a ton too. It actually worked out amazing. But if you have a flat period of time where real estate isn't growing, then it's like, mm, you know, it's basically like renting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and another scenario, which is actually um, back to the business owner thing, there's a client that I've worked with who owns like a shoe store or whatever. Um, and his income is very up and down. And he always did interest only loans. And then at the end of the year, he'll make a big payment, you know, of, 50,000, 30,000, kind of depending on where his income is. 
Um, so again, different loan programs are good for different people in different different times of their lives. You know, like yeah. I've always said, a mortgage, there should be a good conversation around it, trying to figure out where you are, where you want to go, what you want to do, and then try and back into the right mortgage as opposed to just, you know, blindly doing a 30-year. Um, and a 30-year, honestly, probably over 90% of the time is the right move for most people, you know? Yeah. But those few mm -hmm. instances where it's not, um, I think there's a lot of value that can be gained by just, you know, taking a step back, having the conversation, looking at the numbers, and then making your your decision. Yeah, from there. it's kind of one of those things like 2020 to 2022 is like 99% of people should be doing that. And right. then, but then there's all these other years, right? And so it's easy to give a rule of thumb, but then the environment changes and now it's probably significantly less. Like, you know, if I was going to put down more and it would have been a better interest rate, I would do a five or seven year arm knowing I won't live past that time. It just didn't work out right for me. So to say only 30 year fixed, I think misses out on the other scenarios and situations, which is why you really want to, you know, look at the options. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Perfect, Carl. Well, this is super helpful. Um, before we go, let everybody know kind of best place to reach out to you if they end up, you know, ever needing help on a loan. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, Thomas. I appreciate this. Um, so once again, Carl Oguamanum, um, easiest way to get a hold of me it might be kind of weird just to give out my cell phone number, but um, text me. Um, my phone number is 651-395-0597. 651-395-0597. Um, you can look me up online as well. Um, MortgageTwins.com. If you see the two handsome fellows back there, the one is me, the one's my twin. Um, you can reach out to us online. Um, and I like to tell people like, you know, I'm here to educate you, hopefully give you the answers that you're looking for. And if you think it's a good fit, let's work together. Um, and if it's not a good fit, that's cool too. And you, there's a lot of mortgage guys that are probably not quite as good as me, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, reach out to my love to, to be able to help answer any questions. Um, and I lend all, all across the country. So, Anywhere the property might be located, I can. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely that was a big help reason you. why I connected with you too. Is I kept talking to people, and they're like, "I can do just this state or this state and this state." I'm like, my clients are in like, I think I have like clients in thirty, probably close to thirty states right now. Like, it's not helpful to have to find twenty different people. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So love that about you. But thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. And everybody, thank you for listening. As always, please remember to rate and subscribe, and we'll see you back next week. Awesome. Appreciate you, Thomas.